0: Welcome to Tech Innovation. I'm your host Peter High. My guest today is Ken Lamnick. Ken is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Insight, a Fortune 500 information technology solution provider. Prior to Insight, Ken was the President of the Americas at Tech Data. In this interview, we discuss how cyber attacks are becoming more and more sophisticated in four ways companies can protect themselves from these attacks. We discuss the importance of companies embracing the seriousness of cybersecurity, why cyber has to go from being buried in IT to being part of the fabric of the organization, and how governments are starting to take on a greater role in cybersecurity. Lastly, we discuss why Ken thinks IT is going to explode in the next 10 years, how all companies are becoming IT companies, and a variety of other topics. If you enjoy Technovation, please consider reading my new book, Getting to Nimble, How to Transform Your Company into a Digital Leader. The book is now available on Amazon. As a special offer to our CXO listeners, if you purchase 50 or more copies of my book for your team, I'd be happy to join your team for a group discussion on it. To learn more, write us at information at or visit gettingtonimble.com. Thank you. And now for a word from our partner, Aptio. Sales teams have CRM systems. Human resources leverage HRM systems.
1: What about the CIO who needs to evolve from a technology expert to a business strategist? In this digital first world, CIOs and their CFO counterparts must ensure technology decisions are made to deliver business value. It's easier said than done. That's why Aptio, the market leader in technology business management, is committed to helping companies manage, plan and optimise their technology spend. After all, champions of change need actionable insights they can trust. Learn
0: more at aptio.com. And now on to the interview. Ken Lamnick, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. It's great to be here and thanks for having me. That's a pleasure. Well, Ken, you're the Chief Executive Officer of Insight Enterprises. And for listeners who may be less familiar with the company, I wonder if you could take a few moments and just provide a bit of an overview.
1: Yeah. So, Peter, so we're a Fortune 500 global, what we call, information technology solution provider. Um, So basically what that means is it will provide significant IT solutions to our clients. And we serve clients in the commercial space as well as public sector clients
0: globally. That's great, and I, I'm curious what what an interesting time to be serving that client set during times that at least in our lifetime are are, are unprecedented with the health crisis, the economic crisis, the, the a variety of social crises that we have had at least in this country. Um, I'd be interested to to understand a bit about some of what you're what you're hearing from the many clients that you have, some of the most salient points that you you find rising to the top of their agendas.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's quite a bit there. So so as a solution provider, Peter, we're focused really on four key areas to help our clients. So one is um, we're helping our clients lead digitally innovate. Every client, as you know, is becoming more and more digital. Uh, And certainly the COVID pandemic, of course, has forced the whole migration towards more and more e-commerce and being digitally native. So that's an area that we help our clients really how they navigate that and how they develop solutions to become more digital with their clients or their uh, employees internally. The second is all about the cloud, right? We can't stop talking about the cloud and what's happening there. So that continues to evolve. So we help clients actually evolve because some of them have private data centers and some of them have public cloud solutions, which we call a hybrid solution. We help them navigate that. We help them figure out what the cost structures are appropriate for them. And then we can do all that in a managed service offering. The third really would be around how do we help clients uh, in this sort of work from anywhere environment. How do we create a modern workplace experience with the tools and the mobility solutions they need in order to work uh, effectively remotely? And then fourth is we wrap all that up with a very sophisticated e-commerce engine to really provide um, the kind of supply chain optimization that our clients really need to efficiently and effectively procure products. So what we've seen from the you know most recently, of course, in 2020 is – the big movers, of course, is everybody having to work from home, right? That was sort of a year ago. We we're all sort of forced to say, my gosh. And I think as we reflect back, Peter, and am sure you could associate with this. It worked pretty well. You know, in the scheme of things, if you would have told us back, you know, 13 months ago that, hey, we'd all be working remotely next month, we'd all go, oh, my God, this is chaos. It's pretty amazing how resilient everybody has become to really at least perform to a, a pretty significant level the kind of work and productivity that we had while we were all in an office environment. So so that whole, you know, the whole aspect of work from remote, work remotely, work anywhere, providing solutions around that has been a real key area. Um, the other, of course, areas, as I mentioned, is companies more and more trying to become more e-commerce, more digitally native. Um, the third area, of course, is that what's, what's occurred in all that, of course, is now clients are realizing that cybersecurity is a huge issue for them. As they were forced to work quickly, remotely, they, of course, exposed themselves and they exposed their environment more to cyber cyber risks. So cyber has been at the top of everybody's mind and certainly is a continued issue. You've done a lot of work in that and some of the articles that you've been uh, preparing just around what's going on in the world of cyber. So those are some of the big areas that we see um, really that our clients are, are trying to address. And, and certainly that's where we help them.
0: I, I know a recent survey that you conducted, your organization conducted, of, of those same leaders found that while 96% of organizations had increased budgets in 2020 uh, geared towards cybersecurity, 78% of IT and security leaders surveyed um, expressed a lack of confidence in their security posture. Um, I wonder if you could diagnose that a little bit further. That's a fascinating uh A fascinating conclusion suggesting that uh, throwing dollars at this uh, isn't necessarily fully grappling with the complexity of the situation, but uh, help us out with that a little bit.
1: Yeah, what's driving it, of course, is data, right? So, you know, data, of course, is growing exponentially. Data now is much more diverse. It used to be that, you know, we could could carton it off in a perimeter in a, a private data center. So we could get a little bit more control of it, but now, of course, it's very, very dispersed. And certainly, with the pandemic, we saw that. Now you've got data in the cloud, you've got data in private, you've got data at the edge. So the data explosion, of course, and that's only going to continue. Certainly, makes it more complex. Um, the other aspect, of course, that's you know a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's a good you know cyber is a good you know good business for criminals. It's a great business. I mean, it's very, very profitable. Um, they're very sophisticated. They're very hard to detect with things like Bitcoin. So the traceability is very, very challenging. And of course, it's even some cases state-sponsored, as we've seen. So you know, you put those pieces together, I think people realize the need, of course, more and more for cyber, but there is concern that we're not really prepared for it uh, just because there's just so much going on and these attacks become more and more sophisticated.
0: Very interesting. I, I, um, I wonder if you could talk a bit about some of the ramifications, but also the solutions to this. How best should organizations think about addressing this added complexity? As you point out uh, in your overview, uh, as we left our offices roughly a year ago, and so many of us anyway, began to work from home, all of a sudden the threat landscape disseminated, uh, adding a lot more vectors for uh, would-be bad actors. And as you point out, there are a lot of financial incentives for them to take advantage of that. So what, what are you advising or what have you seen among companies work best in terms of the, the means of rectifying these issues?
1: Yeah. So first thing, of course, is you know, companies need to do a risk assessment to really understand their data, where their data is classified, what the data really looks like, and to make sure they've got the right governance rules around their data. So that risk assessment piece is really important. The next thing that clients need to do is they need to look basically at their network or perimeter architecture to really understand how extensive that is and how they can protect themselves. So you're in a position where you could actually, if you did get an attack, you can at least card it off to one specific area and not let it extend throughout your organization. So that's an important area. And then the other one, Peter, which is interesting, is password protection. Um, Microsoft's been quoted as saying that 99% of all these attacks could be prevented with multi-factor authentication. So the ability not just to password, but to have some some multi-factor where there's another form of authentication, not just one, but some other form of authentication. And boy, that's an advisement that we give to everybody personally for your banking accounts or anything you're doing at home. Boy, if you don't have multi-factor authentication, you really should be. So, you know, that's a pretty impressive stat. Ninety-nine percent of these attacks could be prevented if you had multi-factor authentication, which is pretty simple mm-hmm. uh, in today's world. And then the the fourth one I'd say is to really make sure that you're using companies like Insight, or there's many companies that we compete with that do this, we actually do tabletop exercises and they'll actually do penetration exercises to see where you're vulnerable and where you have seams of exposure so that you, can, you know, just understand where you're most vulnerable and what you need to do because it's a journey, right? You're not going to fix it all overnight, but you got to take those greatest exposures and make sure you're investing in the technology, the process, and the people to address those. So I think those are four sort of Key areas that um, clients should be doing themselves internally or using, you know, the sophisticated partners out there in the network like Insight. There's many, many more that can actually help them.
0: Hmm. And talk a bit about the, the cultural ramifications of this. Uh, you know, Some organizations haven't advanced to, to where the threat is going been, and perhaps aren't feeling the full consequences of it if they have not been hurt, or at least they don't know yet that they've been hurt by, by some of these bad actors and, and cyber consequences. I wonder if you could talk a bit about the, the role that culture plays in ways of rectifying or, or advancing the cause through, uh, through cultural attributes.
1: Yeah. And it was, you know, if we were talking about this a few years ago, Peter, you talk about cyber sort of being buried somewhere in the IT organization at some of the lowest levels, sort of a necessary evil that you have to do to prevent all the sort of malware and and those type of things that were occurring. Now, of course, it's a whole different sort of scenario. So culturally, it's it's coming more to the forefront. I think our statistics showed in our survey that it's really getting top of mind uh, support from executives as well as board of directors. So it's moving in the right direction. But culturally needs to, you know, because cyber's is everyone, you know, it's not just one aspect. Um, so there really aren't today really good frameworks. There's a lot of work being done on how do we architect the right solutions? Because some of the complexity is, as an example, we as a company, we sell 200 different products for cybersecurity. That's a lot of complexity for clients to try to really understand at this stage. So I think we're moving in the right direction, but culturally, Companies have to embrace it realize that this is a real, real concern, right? It's people's personal data. It's their private health data. All these things have to be protected. Your client's data all has to be protected. So it culturally needs to, you know, elevate itself up into the C-suite, up into board of directors, and it really needs to become part of the fabric of an organization where it's still migrating from sort of buried in the IT organization now to becoming more at the forefront and a seat at the table.
0: Very interesting. Um, well, culture is certainly a people issue. And another people issue, frankly, is just the, the quantity of people at the appropriate uh, level of skill to add to one security team. These are, uh, skill sets that are hard to come by and, and oftentimes to find a real gem rather expensive to, to bring over to your, your team. I wonder if you have any insights on how best to, build out the appropriate team within a large complex organization to be able to ensure that they have the the right skill sets in place and at the right quantity uh, in order to, to fully grapple with these issues?
1: Yeah, it's a really tough issue, Peter, as you mentioned. And, um, you know, certainly there's zero unemployment in the area of cyber. Uh, and it's estimated that globally, we're probably a few million, few million people short um, in this space. So there's going to be quite a demand here for the next foreseeable future. So strategically, a lot of work, of course, being done at the college, university level to make sure that this, these become tracks that people can really, um, really get good, valuable jobs in um, that didn't really exist. It wasn't these sort of tracks in um, as far as curriculum is concerned. So that's being addressed, but that's a much longer term issue. Um, in the short term, it's it's going to be a little bit of a slugfest for, for people to do that. So sort of the recommendation we have for clients is the fact that you need to lean on partners like ourselves, uh, and there are many, again, um, that we compete with that can actually provide these full-level of services until you can actually build up the staffs yourself. Um, and you probably want some combination thereof anyway because the benefits that companies like ourselves have is the fact that we see multitudes of these incidents because we service so many clients. So having that sort of aggregation point, that can be a lot of knowledge to help clients Really understand where they are, where they should go, and what are the things that we're seeing out there that they should prevent against. So that will be sort of our recommendation. Continue, to, you want to continue to have a few key people in your organization. But then I would lean on sort of these partner networks who again have lots of extensive skills, because these people are very expensive as well. So it's probably a little bit more challenging to build up a, if you're a small company, very, very challenging for you to be able to afford uh, building that kind of staff.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially in one fell swoop, if one, one uh, had the the impetus to try to do this uh, rapidly, you're right. Uh, having a broader ecosystem becomes that much more important. I wonder if there are any um, silver linings uh, or any reasons for optimism in your mind with the added focus that people are putting to this. Um, does anything come to mind that might be at least reasons for some optimism? Yeah, you
1: know, when you talk about cyber, it's a little bit of a downer, right? I mean, it's not an nice <laughs> uplifting conversation, but. I would say, Peter, from my perspective overall, I mean, I think the next 10 years in IT are just going to continue to explode. I think it's going to be the best 10 years we've ever seen in the last sort of 40 or 50 years of IT, whatever how far you want to go back. Uh, and the reason for that is really about data, and it's about artificial intelligence and what's occurring, where everything is becoming intelligent. So, you're going to see more and more morph to the, towards the edge, uh, and every device in interface is becoming more and more intelligent. So, that's a lot of data, 75% of the data in the world still is not being analyzed. That's going to change in the next five or so years. So, so very, very bullish on the IT environment overall. Now, the cyber piece, of course, is going to continue to escalate. So I think there's a couple of reasons that I'm optimistic. So first off, as we talked, Peter's that everybody's recognizing how important it is. So it is at this, it is at the C suite. It's certainly at the board of directors level. So there's more attention, more focus. And as large clients look at what they call enterprise risk, Management, there's a big process for clients to go through that. I would say for any client in this sort of Fortune 1000, Fortune 5000, you know, global clients, every one of them, I'm sure cyber is either number one or number two as far as their top risks. So it's getting the attention, it's getting the, the money, the, the funding that it needs uh, to, to provide the prevention. The other thing that's interesting is that governments are starting to get involved finally. Um, so the FBI is very, very involved in these type of attacks, and they're actually starting to make progress. They are starting to look at some of these state-sponsored situations and actually these governments are starting to coordinate and collaborate because they realize just how detrimental this is because the interesting thing is if you know somebody was to to rob, you know rob your house and take your goods, I mean, you have action, right? You call the police, please come in, they do investigation, so forth. If they rob your identity, you're on your own. There's nobody to go to. And business isn't that much different. You're pretty much on your own. So I think those things are changing. And I think there is some optimism that governments are starting to collaborate because they're identifiable. We can identify where these attacks are coming from. You just need that coordination. And in fact, there was an article I read this morning where there was uh, a recent attack for um, a company that came actually, I think it was literally in the basement of an individual out of Switzerland um, that penetrated a, a San Francisco company. Who was doing basically surveillance? They had surveillance cameras, and they didn't like the way they were surveilling. So they actually, uh, you know, did a significant attack on them. Well, actually, the government's coordinated and actually shut this person down and confiscated all the equipment. So, so I think there's some, you know, there's some semblance of people are getting real understanding just how critical this is, how costly it is, uh, and how detrimental it is that there's some coordination. So, yeah, definitely some optimism, but a lot of work to be done going forward.
0: But it's interesting. I just want to linger for a moment longer on some of these other topics like artificial intelligence, data and analytics, more generally speaking, the use of edge technologies. As you point out, the role of technology and digital divisions of organization is only growing in influence in many ways. Uh, uh, with that that growth of of responsibility being accelerated through the course of the the pandemic as well as as uh, digitizing one's operations of of finding new digital uh, or leaning on existing digital revenue sources becomes that much more important great leaders are seizing these opportunities to do do uh, greater things even for their enterprises as well. I wonder if you can linger for a moment longer just with some of your perspectives on the advancements relative to topics like data and analytics, which is it, it nice to nice to hear about topics that represent more of an offensive posture in addition to some of what we discu- discussed, which of course can be described as defensive, at least uh, in some some primary ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, no question about that. And I think you're, you're correct when you look at the whole world of data analytics, AI, machine learning. Um, is really that sort of whole behavioral based aspects where now we have intelligence that can actually use in our systems to determine that, Hey, that's not a normal function that Peter would have normally done, right? He normally wouldn't do that. Well, through machine learning, we can, we can trace those steps pretty quickly and analytically determine that there's probably something else going on and send alerts to the cyber team so they can actually ward those off. And some of that behavioral analytics stuff is already incorporated into many of the products, of course. So that's. That's great. We're reusing certain, like you said, you know, some of these technologies here to help us on the offensive, um, to really help us. But the yeah, overall, I'd say there's a, there's a lot of optimism for many of that. And overall, when you look at just what's being generated, as we said, um, you know, what's interesting to me is I've been in this business for 30 years now. I'd say the last five, six years, the big shift is that every company is having to become an IT company, right? Everybody's, cause you know, you're looking at technology to be that source of differentiation, innovation, collaboration, how we gain a competitive advantage. So it's it's really interesting as companies start to embrace how do we become more digital and how do we use this technology to really create a difference for us and not just be a source of productivity for the company.
0: That's fantastic. Well, Ken Lamnick, thank you so much for taking some time with me uh, this afternoon to talk a bit about uh, your insights, some of what you're seeing as you poll the many technology executives that you you work with and that you uh, who, whose uh, insights you have a- access to. Uh, it's been very interesting to get your perspectives.
1: Thanks so much, Peter. Really enjoyed it.